Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Jesus, Teacher, and Me, episode number 109. Great to be back with you. Thank you for tuning in for yet another episode, the last one of 2022. When you listen to this, it will be, let's see, today's the 28th, so it'll be the 30th. And so you may be actually listening listening to this in 2023, which is exciting. You don't look excited. I don't look excited. Well, no. Are you not excited? Excited about in the terms of let's leave 2022 behind. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I say that every single year. Do you feel like you say that every year? You know, some years are worse than others. <laughs> well, that's true. I feel like I say it. Oh, like, like I remember saying it in 2021, right? At the end of 2020, going into 2021, everyone's like, oh, 2021 is going to be so much greater than 2020, right? 2022 is going to be so much better than 2021. And every single year we say the same thing. I just want to get to the next year. And mm. it turns out that the next year is just as bad, if yeah. if not worse. I think that just speaks to speaks to the evil of, of the world. So we well, have a fun it's episode also your today. your philosophy, too. An optimist says it's got to be better. Well, that's true. And like, it can't get any worse? Right. And the realist says, oh, yes, it, it can. can only get worse. <laughs> I listened to a... I was listening to a podcast this morning that was talking about how all the evil that we're experiencing in this world is what God allows. And if God were to just completely remove it, like you think that this is bad, <laughs> like the devil is chained yeah, right now. Right. It might not seem like it, but he is. Pretty long and chain if you ask me. But yes. Right, Well, yes. But it can get worse. It almost certainly will get worse. So on that happy note, uh, exciting things to talk about today. Aren't you glad um, to know that your president is in the Virgin Islands? On vacation. On vacation, considering with his family whether he should run again, but he's too busy to go to the border. Yes. Mm. Well, it's meanwhile... I don't know uh, if that's a folly. I just pulled the trigger on that one. But I, oh, <laughs> I feel like you were sitting on that one <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah, I saw that too. They said that he was the it was the first family to do that to to vacation like that. Yeah, I don't know how accurate that is because I swear I thought I saw other presidents taking vacations. Well, sure, but they usually know where they are. Well, that's not fair. It's not fair. No, it was fair. It's not kind. It's not kind. They. Yeah. <laughs> you want to just go into follies since we're in a. Felonious kind of. Attitude. Oh, I was listening to once again Whoopi Goldberg talk about how the Holocaust was not about race. What was it about? Oh my gosh. She's first guilty of one of the great wokeism sins, and that's called presentism. Applying what you think, you feel, cultural values of now to another time, another situation. Oh. So, uh, so she says, well, Jews don't think they're a separate race. I was reading this and said, there's not a block on the census where you check Jew. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but it doesn't matter what we think, or even what the Jews of Germany thought. It matters what Hitler thought. Yeah. And he called them an evil race. And so he was exterminating them for the purpose of eliminating this race, and so to say it's not about race, presentism. And the other thing is she's got the typical liberal African-American attitude that everything is about skin color, and mm -hmm. therefore Jews sort of look like whites. In fact, in America you can't pick them out, so it can't be about race. Well, for Hitler it was about race. Race, yeah. So, but he persecuted other people, Slavs, yes. Gypsies, he sure did. Yes, and he, he also did. <laughs> considered them inferior races. So right. if you're trying to kill somebody because of their race, doesn't that make you sort of racist? He, well, so and then I was reading here, and we were laughing beforehand, and she said, "But some of my best friends are Jewish." Okay, so there's no way <laughs> that you can have prejudice. Oh right? no, I can't be anti-Semitic. That, that reminds me of the the folks you you, you mentioned. By the way, we call when we talk off recording uh, backstage, right? Oh, okay. So we were talking backstage, and uh, and you said <laughs> you said that's like when people say, "I'm not a racist. I have black friends," <laughs> or or uh, one of my the, one of the funniest 
comedian bits that I ever heard. I don't remember exactly who it was, so clearly it wasn't that funny. But he said, it, when Barack Obama was president, he said, now everyone is absolved of their racism because all they have to say is, I'm not a racist, I have a black president. I voted for him, right? I didn't. <laughs> right, I voted for a black president. Yeah. So, <laughs> ignorance nonetheless. Um, I have three, actually. Well, let, let me end with Whippy. So, in a minute, we're going to talk about a Jesuit martyr, and one of the things he stood against was uh, euthanasia of useless types. And so, I think I might reintroduce Whoopi at that point and let her know okay. that Hitler would have <laughs> euthanized her. Right, too. right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what are you contributing to society? Oh. Okay. Hey, you're dead. she, she, I, I, you know, you know I you're know. too far gone when Joy Behar <laughs> tries to rein you in, by the way. I, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I was thinking about that too. Okay. So this was, this tweet came out on December 20th. So this was five days before Christmas. We did not do a Christmas episode. We had a lot of stuff going on here and just, we were just like, you know what? We said Merry Christmas <laughs> on the yeah. last episode, so I'm glad that you made me do that. Um, and it was just, it just came a lot with the with trying to plan for the the services and and all that. And so, um, this was right before Christmas because this was what I was gonna this is what I was gonna say if we had a Christmas episode. So this was the things that we learned in the last week in the week leading up to Christmas. There's three of them. You ready? Number one, the FBI paid off Twitter to censor Hunter Biden's laptop during the 2020 election. That's true. It's been proven. The Department of Justice secretly obtained email and phone data of Devin Nunes staffers as they were exposing the Russia hoax. Okay. And number three, this this one is actually anchored in fact, someone who worked for the, it was either worked for the White House or worked for the Department of Justice or worked for the C. I don't remember ex- exactly who it was, but this was confirmed. You can literally go online and look it up. The CIA almost certainly killed John F. Kennedy. I just haven't read about that, but okay. You said that one you don't know about. So what's your point? Uh, that we are immersed in lies and that your big-time government, big-time people who are uh, claim that they're for your good – are all I was having a conversation with a with a good friend yesterday who actually leans very far left, but we did agree on this. Um, all of the politics are very much look over here, so that I I can do this. Can you sneak one look in at my on right hand, right? Yeah. Look at my right hand, so that I can do this with my left hand, and it just speaks to. Everything they they were there's another there's another um, set of all these different things coming out with um, all the Twitter stuff regarding COVID and truth about COVID and all that good stuff. You can look you can look up those things as well. Um, I recently found out that uh, Dr. Fauci was deposed uh, about the efficacy. It's a word that has two meanings. I wish he had been deposed. Deposed or disposed. No, deposed as deposed. in removed from office. Yes. Yeah, he was questioned. He was brought to court. Um, and he essentially, and he, he did. He admitted that there is absolutely no scientific proof that a paper mask, the ones that you're required to wear in the hospitals, that they stop the spread of COVID-19. There's no scientific base for it. But the reason that nobody heard about it is because he was deposed during Thanksgiving break. So everyone's watching football. Everyone's with their family and friends. Everyone's traveling. Everyone's doing this. So it's look at this so that we can do this. And we can do this with, quote, unquote, good conscience. But then you don't actually see it. We'll cover it. That's one of the principles of, um, it's actually both sides, but I'm going to say of wokeism, is that anything I do that furthers the narrative is good, yeah. Even if it's a lie, even if it's a crime, mm-hmm. doesn't matter as long as it's furthering the. the so somebody, I, I didn't read this completely. Some this, there's some congressman elect Santos who magnified, lied, 
cheated, whatever, on his uh, uh, resume. Told people all kinds of things about himself weren't true. And then I'm reading this article, and it, yeah, you're laughing because you know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. So one of the liberal news commentators got, took umbrage, big word, umbrage, to a comparison of that man to Biden because Biden, well, <laughs> he doesn't lie. Um, well, except my son died in endless lies he tells that he apparently believes about his own legend, but I'm, that's okay. It furthers the I'm the narrative. Sure that he so. actually believes that. I don't know what to say. Well, I mean, eventually, once, and it's it's this is why. Could we fast forward through twenty twenty three? Get to the, the next election and passed it, and then wait for the ultimate collapse of the nation. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, my, the reason that my mom and dad, you know, they try to tell us not to lie because eventually you won't even understand when you do it, why you do it. It just becomes a natural part of you. That's why you call it a pathological liar. Well, if there is no God, then just there's no it. standard for truth. Therefore, whatever you, my truth, your truth, that's where we are. Right. What was your best Christmas present? Ooh. Ooh. Well, nah, he's watched um, him calculate. Who will I offend yeah. if I answer truthfully? <laughs> no. Well, you graciously got Brandy and I tickets to go see. Uh, but Les that hasn't Rob. happened yet. You don't know how great that will be. But right. It will be. I'm anticipating that that's going to be pretty great. Right. Um, Brandy got me. She fed my jersey collecting addiction. <laughs> And got me a these are, last these year, are sports things, not cows, right? Right. Last year, you got me an authentic Steve Eiserman jersey with a painfully uh, 90, that yes. <laughs> Pat Simkevich and I worked. It was hard to find that. Yes, thing. Deacon Pat, and it's and it hangs proudly in my office at home. I've worn it once actually. So Brandy got me a authentic '97, not quite authentic, but. Um, like not the not the style or kind that they wore, but a really really cool Darren McCarty, who's my all time favorite hockey player, with the '97 uh, Stanley Cup final patch. That was pretty cool. Uh, let's see, my dad. I told you what my dad got me. My dad got me a um, decanter with gla- with uh, whiskey glasses, customized by the Ooh. name of my bar. Oh, wow, so that what's was the name of your bar? You can't puzzles. tease us. Puzzles. Okay. So you got a puzzles uh, monogrammed etched into the into the uh, into the glass, which is pretty neat. Is it leaded crystal or just crystal or glass? Glass, okay. glass, and uh, the cool ones used to be leaded crystal, and find out that's poisonous over time. <laughs> yeah, no, just glass, just glass. Um, but the, one of the more unique ones, though, is that my wife Brandy got me a my first pair of. How many wives do you have? <laughs> one. Why do you have to specify that? Because I learned that from you. <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> Can't talk uh, about my wife my, like property, right? Yes. She, I. She got me my first pair of cowboy boots. So Deacon Paul will be very excited when I show up with them next week. She's turning me. She's she's turning me into. A redneck, I think. Yeah, she's turning you into her, her image of who you should be, but you should yeah, have known that all along. Okay, and that's okay. And I told, <laughs> I joked with uh, with one of my friends. I said, I I think I accidentally bought a side by side. Do you know what a side by side is? No. Like, uh, it's like one of those like buggies that you know, like Polaris is a brand or Yamaha or whatever. Um, a lot of you know. A lot of big properties have them to get from one place to another. It's kind of like a motorized golf cart, but they're like way better than a golf cart. It's like a dirt bike with four wheels. And how did you accidentally buy one of them? Well, our, my father-in-law wants to sell yeah. his. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> and and he um, he he listed it at like thirteen grand, and. Eventually told Brandy, said, well, we wanted to stay in the family. Are you interested? We said, well, we can't afford $13,000. And he's like, well, you could just pay the loan payments. You know, I think there's like $4,000 left on it. He's like, just pay X amount of dollars a month and uh, 
And Brandon's like, well, think about it. And I'm, I'm fairly certain that the key is at home. <laughs> so I, I think I accidentally bought I, I didn't even really ask for it. It just kind of happened. It was just it was kind part of, of your wedding vows. You just didn't funny, know it. Yeah. So anyway, but it was, we had a good Christmas. What are you going to do with see, such a thing? see a lot of people. That's the other thing that I said. I was like, Up I don't and down know, your driveway, know use all 50 right. feet of it. Right. Drive to the bar. Oh, uh, I no, I about think that. it's one of those things where it would probably just stay at their place with all of their property. And, uh, he he would he said he would trailer it and take it when we go up north and stuff. But I'm like I don't have the I don't have a means to haul it right now. I don't have a truck. I don't have a. So we'll see. But it was a good Christmas. We got to see a lot of people. My cousins are in town right now from Georgia, and it was good. What about you? Outside of the best gift being that Christmas is over. Yeah, it's not over in my family. We're still, <laughs> we're in recrimination. Usually, we don't have this. Right now, we have the woulda, coulda, shoulda Christmas because my family's full of females. But uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> what if I told you a pair of Grinch socks might have been the coolest thing I got? <laughs> my mom would be very happy about that. She doesn't listen to this. No, she does not. You'll have to tell her that was actually. I'll tell her. And I wore them on Christmas Day. Yes, you did. And oh. as you were, as you were going off, not going off, but as you were talking <laughs> about something, I pointed at your shoes and you started laughing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was funny. So, so I described Saint Stephen's. I know we're, we're gonna get to the the meat of this yeah. in a second. We had a New Year's Eve service. Yeah, um, eighty, depending on who you Christmas believe. Eve. Christmas Eve. Sorry. See, I mentally want to make Christmas never happen. I know you're you're excited to get to twenty three. <sighs> yeah, I really want to be seventy five so bad. Um, That's not even till the end of twenty three. So we had a joint service: Spanish and English, Pandavita, and the old folks at St. Stephen. Eighty seven people, half and half, really went get yeah. to it. And um, I don't know if this is a folly or not, but at St. Stephen's, when they say uh, evangelism. They don't mean reaching new people. They mean reaching the people who used to come but will never come again. Mm-hmm. That's evangelism for them. And so they were all oh, so happy. I saw this family and this family, and I invited them to come back next Sunday. Yeah, well, that'll help it happen, you know, right after <sighs> Biden has a Jesus moment. I mean, it's just not <laughs> happening. Um, so there was a part when the Pandavita service where the it was English, Spanish, where they had a, a Christmas skit, and I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And they had a little miniature four-, five-year-old, six-year-old kid, female and male, come down to be Joseph and Mary, three more to be angels, and they were just, they just, nobody's ever said a word. And for a fleeting second, I almost knew what Christmas was about. And then reality crashed in on me again. Yes. And you're reminded that the real cr- meaning of Christmas is what can you give me? Yeah, well, I'm sure my family let me know that. So. Or what didn't you get me? Yes. And I got a set of, hopefully they're playing outside, have gun with travel whole every yes. season. Sneak, sneak, sneaky Tyler did that to me. <laughs> yeah. I am I- excited. To watch them too, so yeah. I was I. I've You're more excited to give them than to watch them. Well, of course, you had a blank That's... look on your face when I said, "Have a gun, we'll travel." Right, but then when I saw what it was, it's black and white, right? Black and white. Yeah, the black things. and white kind of the. You know, they. How did you describe? Paladin? They're all morality. Every episode's a morality play. Okay. Good triumphs over evil every single time, and not necessarily with a gun. So um, clearly, so. an old. <laughs> Clearly an old... Yeah, and he asked me, show, show my age, he asked me, and I said, yeah, I, I used to have a toy six-shooter with the... Yeah, I tried to find one of those, too. Yeah, you, yeah, you probably couldn't afford one. <laughs> uh, with the uh, knight's chest piece on the on the leather, and yeah. You, anyway. you used to have one of those. That's what, I, yeah. yeah. That, that's what my... I don't know what, half of my, well, all of my... Precious possessions from that time are all gone. So yeah. if I had them all back, I'd be rich. But hey, what the heck? 
to woke people. I know. They shut, shut us, us off down. again. Oh, it's still recording. Oh, okay. Oh, we're still going. Huh. So you had mentioned uh, just before our, my computer shut off again. Uh, <laughs> Homeland, you said Homeland Security got a hold of us. Um, you said what? Right. So we've been doing some thinking, and so this is actually I'm going to put out. We'll we'll produce this episode, and this episode will go out just as normal. Come out on Friday. Oh, you didn't say and the number today. One oh nine. One zero nine. Who would have thunk that a year, two almost two years ago, that you had one hundred nine hours of something to say? I tell you what, man. I this is it's been fun. It's been. Uh, it's been insightful. It's been incredible to see how many people actually care about what we have to say about a variety of different things. Yes. Um, speaking of which, there was a... I responded could, to that today. You did? Yeah. Okay. You got a hold of him? I actually... Well, go ahead and fill in the blank, so, and then I'll say what I said. So it was just kind of... Well, I, I want to I protect this gentleman's um, oh, identity. Someone. Like that. But there was a person who reached out and said that he was going through something and he actually wanted, he said, <laughs> this, the content of the message was you reached out through our, through the, uh, through the website, the family of God website. And he said that I feel like pastor Jim as, as a former army officer officer can help with this situation that's going on in his life. And so he asked if he could be connected and how great it would be to actually talk to you. <laughs> so yeah. he's, yeah. That's pretty cool. It's kind of it's kind of cool when you get those. We've had a couple of folks that have um, messaged us and said that they've been really grateful. Uh, one of them was going to going to college in one of well, the. Hopefully, he's listening. But I almost got the feeling he was saying, "Boy, I hope I grow up to be like you." Well, no, you don't. <laughs> right, like Rob. Uh, so, so there's that. There's the there's the the young lady that was going. Or I don't know if she still is, but she was when she reached out to us. She was going to college in one of the Dakotas. I think is what it was. Uh, and she said that she looked forward to listening to us. Um, there's another gal from Indiana, same thing. I'm just like, oh my gosh, is there, there are people a filter that... that I I never mind. It's just it's just really cool to see that God is can use. I mean, this, we're just we just get together and talk about stuff that we like, and somehow and like. people are being edified, right? And and somehow people people are edified by it, and so praise God for that. So I say all that to say that we are going to pivot change course here. So this is actually going to be the last episode of Jesus, Dietrich, and Me. However, it's not going to be the last episode that we are with you. So uh, we've been chatting. We think that there's a lot that um, that we can offer, and I think that that's, it's important that, uh, you know, just kind of seeing the response from other people, uh, from people who have given us feedback, people that we've interacted with, and so we're going to try to have this all-encompassing podcast where we talk about the day-to-day struggles and the sufferings at Family of God. Um, we're going to talk about the day-to-day struggles of suffering in a pastor. Uh, we're going to talk about the suffering of our Savior. What does that mean theologically for us? Different men and women in the Scriptures, uh, different stuff in the Scriptures that relate to suffering. And then we're going to talk about guys like Alfred Delp, who we're going to talk about today, and maybe even carry this conversation into the first episode of the Suffering Servants podcast. And so I'm going to give everyone a kind of like a, a reminder next week to not tune into this show, but to tune into the other one. Uh, and then I'm hoping that that's going to gather even a wider a wider range. We'll still for sure talk about Dietrich. There's a lot to say about Dietrich still, um, but we also want to talk about other guys. And I think that that's, I think that's, that's really good. And gives so us a platform a- too, I think, to, sorry, uh, to talk to other pastors too. I've got a couple people that I know that have offered to share different things about their lives, um, their sufferings and things like that. So I just think that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, what did you say? What do they know about suffering? suffering yes. I didn't want well, to say one, that out loud. One one guy that I know in particular is is a recovering is a recovering addict. And okay. so I think that those are those are the kinds of stories that we want to give give a platform to. And so um, yeah. I think it. I think it has some real potential. We can. We're still going to do followers of the week every single week. So that's that's always fun. 
but we are we are going to pivot a little I bit and try to don't don't worry. Branch out a little Dietrich bit. Bonhoeffer is my frame of reference. I will, sure, I will bring him back time and time again. He's kind of the uh, patron saint of us. Right? Oh yeah, you didn't mention that I gave you an. Icon. I didn't, but it's on it's on my Twitter feed uh, at uh, Ty Cronk T Y C R O N K. I tweeted it when I got it. Pastor Jim gave me. Uh, would you call it an icon? Well, it's got the right sainted here? thing. Yeah, yeah, that's an icon. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, there's a <laughs> there's a burning church behind him. But then it's but it's it's, a, it's also Berlin Berlin bur- yeah, burning sorry. Berlin burning church and then there's Bonhoeffer it's very clearly Bonhoeffer in his black coat white shirt red tie he's got his hand on his chest with his hand up and then he's got the what do you call it the which call that a halo yeah the saints circle that goes Little around Hagia all the saints or whatever it is I'm yes. looking at I'm looking at Jonathan behind you yeah they all have that golden yeah yeah so he's got one of those that's really cool just just for everybody's reference I have. Not too many icons, like one, two. Yeah. One of the Last Supper, but somebody listened to me, and when I said Jonathan, Old mm. Testament Jonathan is heroic. He's my hero in the Old Testament. Not any of, not David, not all those other yeah. people. Jonathan is the underrated hero, and so uh, Alex got me a. Uh, I didn't know there was such a thing as a Jonathan icon. But no, that was it. Nick. Nick? Nick got you the Jonathan. Uh, well, Alex got you the One of those seminary last, guys. Yeah, one of those seminaries. <laughs> yep, so just before we go, so we got visited by Nick yesterday. Nick. Yep. And Nick is our former vicar, future pastor, God willing. Hmm. God, if he's not, I gotta. you're going to have to talk to me before you <laughs> let him pass on this one. Um, yeah. New, new, new podcast. So here's an idea. It doesn't mean we'll go this way immediately, but in his theological interview, this is where they make sure you know right from wrong, left from right. To be a pastor, they asked him, what are, what are the three major problems facing the church? And I said, wow, yeah. that is a good topic of discussion. Yeah. I was disappointed because he couldn't tell me his third <laughs> answer. Come up with third. He came up one and yeah. two, and I said, "Okay, okay, where's the third? Uh, I don't remember." In his, ah! in his defense, he says he was sick during his yeah. during his interview. So, but yeah, so different questions like that. So, what we would encourage you actually is, as you have questions, just fire them off to us. Just give you know, reach out to one of us. I'm on Do all avenues of social media. Do not ask me about the perpetual virginity of yeah. Jesus because I I'm Mary. Sorry. Well, Jesus, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm bringing it up because I said that at a sermon two weeks ago. And, uh-huh. oh, my gosh, I'm still getting shot at Everything from mari- various directions. Yeah. And the comments basically go, well, you're an idiot for believing that. I said, oh, right. well, me and Augustine and Luther and Luther, Calvin. Calvin and all those guys. All the church fathers believe that, but I'm an idiot. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So... Why don't we introduce this guy, mm-hmm. Alfred Delp, um, and we can talk about a little bit kind of how we arrived at him. You can share how you arrived at him. And then we'll kind of briefly, we'll spend the next 20 minutes or so, probably be a little bit longer, talk a little bit about him, a little bit what, about what he experienced, and then we'll do a deep dive as kind of the, the opening episode for uh, Suffering Servants. Yeah. So, so Alfred Delp is the guy's name. Right. He's a, the article we're launching off of is called A Jesuit Martyr to the Nazis. Yes. Um, maybe the key word there is Jesuit. Jesuits today are not anything like they used to be. Can you um, explain to the... Jesuits were a reaction to the Reformation. They are the defenders of the true faith. He looks like he should have... I'm looking at the article right here. He looks like he should have a... Circle around. Really? Well, he does in certain circles in Rome. Yeah. And he uh, kind of looks like Bonhoeffer, too, a little bit, don't you think? We also have a, you can't see these, we also have a picture of him before the courts, and he doesn't look anything like that guy. No, this guy looks handsome. This guy yeah. looks like and he's maybe a little bit ready to rock and overfed. Roll. And then from the prison, <laughs> he looks a little bit like I haven't had a meal lately. Yes. Uh, so just background, real quick background. Hitler hated Jesuits. So... How much did Hitler hate Jesuits? He decreed that every religious person, seminary student, pastor, et cetera, et cetera, 
was to be subject to the draft except Jesuits. Because mm-hmm. in his mind, Jesuits would be in the army, Luftwaffe, whatever, um, evangelizing and uh, warring against Nazi uh, worldview, Nazi propaganda, and so he, he declared that none of them could be inducted into his army. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, the guy's a Jesuit, so he's right on, he's on Hitler's generic list right off the top of the bat, right? For you pastors out there, I said Jesuit, he was a good Lutheran boy <laughs> till his Lutheran pastor slapped him for coming to confirmation late. Uh, that sounds so German, 1800s. But, right, just thinking that. <laughs> uh, but you don't have to actually physically slap someone to uh, to uh, abuse them. And because he was abused by a Lutheran cleric, he went Catholic on us. So, anyway. Well, I mean, you think about what message that sent to you, <laughs> that sent to a student. I know. I mean, how many times? Okay, you and I, maybe you don't want to. No, you don't well, want to divulge this. But I was you never were, slapped. You were by in Catholic. Luther. You were in Catholic school, right? Where you got yeah. knuckled by by nuns. By nuns, right? Right. And this is before we had any idea about priests and all the things that priests are now accused of. Yeah. Um, now the all they did, accused of. My goodness, when I was a kid, if a priest talked to you, you froze. Yeah. It was like it was like. Jesus just spoke to you. you. You know, there was this like natural authority. Yeah, that came with well, it. Well, not natural, uh, supernatural authority. Supernatural, right? yeah. I had a I had a friend one time tell me that when you or I speak, when we go to congregations, we have a he, he called it he called it an ethos or an ethos. He said because people know who you are and what you do, and so you naturally command the attention of the room. I think it's probably the same kind of a deal, right, with a priest. That because they know who they are, who they stand in the place of, and so you just naturally stop everything you're doing when the priest comes up to you. I still remember when when, uh, when I was a kid. Just as, as an aside, that's why the abuse thing worked. Right. But in my time, no, not in my time, but anyway. Because I still, I still remember when... I was on eighth grade retreat when I was in well, eighth grade. And we're up there with the elders, the youth director, and you know, the the men that helped to teach us our confirmation. This is like the final thing that we did as a as a class before, you know, doing our theological interview or whatever. We had to take a test. And the pastor showed up. Pastor Wenzel showed up at the retreat and everyone was like Wow, we get to spend a couple of days with Pastor Wenzel. Like he took the time to come up and be with us, but it was like everyone, everyone took extra, right? <laughs> right. Everyone took extra care to number one be on their best behavior, and it was just like it was intimidating <sighs> to be millennial honest. Millennial pastors blew that, but okay. It, <laughs> it was it was intimidating, but honestly, it was one of the best things because what it told me was that my senior pastor takes an interest in me and in my faith and in what I learn. He's not just there, you know, telling everyone else what to go what to go do and I'm not doing anything. He was actually there leading some of the sessions and being there with us mm-hmm. and talking, getting to know each and every one each and every one of us. And my relationship with him changed after spending that weekend with him. Wow. Not so much with Alfred Delp. <laughs> yeah. So part of the context or the under flow of this article, and I gave you a couple others, but is that this guy, they want to say he's the Catholic equivalent of Bonhoeffer, but, here's the but, he's not upper middle class. He's not from a, uh, a family that has a heritage of intellectualism that, you know, when Bonhoeffer was in prison, they treated him differently because of who he was. When this man was in prison, um, yeah, he got treated like any other yeah. other person because he had no, you know. Mm-hmm. I think just to leap to the end before we go, we'll go to the end before the beginning, <laughs> Hitler wanted this guy gone so bad. What did he do? Do you remember? 
He had him cremated. He had him cremated, and then he took his ashes. And it reminded me of um, Jesus' parable of the of the was it the weeds, right? Not the weeds. Yeah, the weeds, where he har- harvests, and then the cha- the wind blows the chaff away, right? Yeah. Um, so he kind of he takes Delp's ashes, and then lets the wind take them wherever. Yeah. yeah. So that there you was won't be no, making any memorial for this guy, right? Yeah. There was no physical, obviously on the. In the resurrection, his body will rise just like yours and mine. But there's no physical proof that Alfred Delp walked yeah. this earth. That was that was that's the perfection. Oh gosh, that's a terrible word to say about Nazism. The perfection of, of the ideal in the situation is we are gonna make him so gone, no one will remember him. Mm-hmm. He will be found nowhere, no history, right. no writings, yep. no body. Nothing left to yep. him, totally as if he never existed. Sounds like 1984, actually. Yeah. So. The article describes it was uh, February 2nd, 1945, Feast of the Presentation, one of the days when the Jesuits ha- have traditionally professed their final vows. And at Hitler's command, Delp's ashes were scattered to the winds. There was to be nothing by which to remember him. And that beyond that, that that included an, uh, a serious attempt to eradicate anything that he wrote. Right. Um, some few things escaped that, but yeah. So what did he do to get, besides being a Jesuit, what did he do to get so much attention? And actually, it appears to be euthanasia. Mm-hmm. Publicly, it's euthanasia. So I'm back to Whoopi. Right. This person... <laughs> I'm sorry, Whoopi. I actually enjoyed you in Sister Act One, and not so much in Sister Act. Not so Act much too. <laughs> but uh, and what's her real name? Oh yes, by the way, irony of ironies. Her real name is mm, Jewish. She's not mm-hmm. Jewish, but her real name is right. Jewish. Um, we don't want to talk about that. Ooh, um, well, of course we do, because I'm a friend of the Jews, <laughs> except about the Holocaust. Anyway. Uh, what was the euthanasia program, Hitler, before he ever even, actually some say it was a practice run. I think that gives Hitler too much credit. I think it just evolved from one evolved into the other, but he tried to purge Germany of its unnecessary citizens. Unnecessary is a kind word. Uh, what would well, make he, you unnecessary? He, he deemed them to be unnecessary. Yeah. Un- unnecessary people were... People of different ideologies, people of inferior, inferiority. Is that a word? Yeah, but, but in the beginning, it wasn't about that. It was about what we would call dis. Well, I can't even say disability. Of course, I say disability. It makes me an ableist. I don't even know what to say. It, yeah, it was. So I'm mental and physical disability. Right. So is it is it Finland? Is it Finland or is it Iceland? That Denmark too, or Denmark. Scandinavian that, countries do this now. Yeah, that say that they they would they've totally eradicated Down syndrome. Yeah, and the reason is because they abort all the babies that have Down syndrome. They abort all the babies they think might have Down. Syndrome. Right, yes. think have it. Don't don't even don't yeah. even have it. So don't take a chance on this. So it's not because you've you mm, created like an Abba song. Take a chance <laughs> on me. No, take a <laughs> chance. On <laughs> Sorry. So it's not. Yeah, it's. It's not that they've had this miraculous cure for Down syndrome. No. They just killed all the babies that Kill have Down born. syndrome or might have it, right? Yeah. It's, it's, so it's, there was it's the same kind of a promise. One, one, of the, one of the articles I gave you, not this one, talked about it, yeah. He had three, Hitler, three primary motivations. The first was to spare the family from suffering. Oh, good. And then the second was to spare the individual from suffering. And the third was, this is the truth, this person is a drain on the resources of the state. You don't, you have nothing to contribute, but you're drawing, and his, in quotes, description is useless eaters. These are the- You know how many useless eaters there are here at Family of God, by the way? I'm looking at a couple on the screen. (laughs) No, I, People who contribute nothing to society but yeah. drain society? According to society, we, we are not saying that they are useless. No. But according to society, somebody like our dear friend, 
Armando, mm-hmm. who we love, and he is an intricate and vital part of our our neighborhood. But he doesn't work. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything. Right. He's sick. So all he does is take medications and medical costs and medical, and medical costs. costs yeah. All of these different things, according to this ideology, those folks very pragmatic, by the way. Idea. You know, yeah. Right. They're according to those ideologies. These people are better off not here. And so. I take that. I would take that just a little bit further and say society is better if you're not here. Society is better if you're not here. Yeah. Both well, are true. And I can't help but see the parallels between what were the three that Hitler said again? Spare the family from suffering. Okay, so pause there. So you said spare the family from suffering. So one of the things that for that the pro-choice camp always talks about is we want to spare the mother for the mother's life, for the sake of the mother, for the sake of the families, for the sake of the father, for the sake of this, for the sake of this, for your own personal health, you should be able to kill your child, right? That's one of that's one of right. the arguments. For your sake, yes. Or yes. So the second one that Hitler says yeah, is... For the sake of the person, the sake, handicapped person, the... For the sake of the person, right, yeah. for the sake of the of the. Of you that think person, anybody so. wants to be in an asylum? Don't they suffer there? Wouldn't they be better? Right, right. He actually coined the word. I'll get ready. Mercy killing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's off. And they won't directly say it, but that's how society today will address abortion. Do you really want this child to come into this living situation? Do you really want the child to come into this world? Do you really want the child to not know his father? Do you really want the child to live his or her life with Down syndrome, without a functional set of legs, without a fully functioning brain? Do you really want that child to do that? And then the other one was the drain on society. Society, right. Right. So someone... It costs us. Right. And I forgot who it was. It might have been AOC, actually who said that abortion actually is always connected to economics. It's an economic decision that you make based on your financial situation and all that. And it just, the way that Hitler's talking... AOC, did you really invoke her? Sorry. The way that... Oh, I'm using it in the same sentence as Hitler, if that helps. Um, But it's the I don't know you when the Homeland Security comes. I don't know you... (laughs) But it's one of those things where I'll be in the cell next to you, but you can't you can't help but see the parallels between this kind of euthanasia and modern day euthanasia. I know. And and somehow somehow the this will get me in trouble. Somehow the fiercest advocacy advocates of all this are people of color who are colorblind as far as who is actually getting killed. And it's pe- babies of color. Right. Two out of three. And it might be yep. three out of four, but I'll be it's kind and say it's two out that. of three. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. But anyway. Sad. So he spoke, yeah. just as an aside, one of the criticisms of him that this guy doesn't stand up is, it's in one of the articles I gave you, he never says a word about the persecution of the Jews. And the article says he did that because he was actively involved in smuggling Jews out of the country, so he was trying not to draw attention to himself by um, public proclamations of the evil of um, uh, what would become the Holocaust. So he was silent while he was actually doing. That's also an indicator, indicative of the, the shallow scholarship of so many people. Well, he never said anything about the Jews, so he must have wanted the Jews to die in the Holocaust. No, he devoted his life to getting them out of there. Oh, that's just below the surface, but you have to actually work to get to it. So he drew the attention of Hitler. He also ran in circles that were not... Uh, yes, the Kreis, what did they say, Kreisau? Kreisau, Kreisau, yeah. Kreisau circle, which he joined in 1942. It says, this is uh, in the one article you gave me, it says he was so named for the estate at which the group met, owned by Helmuth James Graf von Moltke. Moltke, Moltke is a yes. very famous German general, 
military name. Everybody in that family seems to be a, Interesting. a field marshal. Yeah. So it says that he was he was actually executed a month before Father Delp. The group contained 25 German citizens who were planning for a Germany after Hitler and the Nazis. They wanted the country to be based on Christian principles, which included Catholic school teaching. So that's the Chrysaw circle. Yeah, so that's not saying he was in any way directly or even indirectly involved in the assassination plot, but he was friends or acquaintances with people who were friends and acquaintances of people who were, and that was enough to mm-hmm. get arrested for. Yeah. So I thought I know we're really pushing time here, but what were his last words? This is on page whatever here, one, two, three. The, I want to compare the original them. Article. I want to compare them to Bonhoeffer's last words. Bonhoeffer's last words were what? He said For me this For me yeah. So for for me this is wait. This is the end of life. For me The beginning. The beginning. Or something along yes, those lines. Something like that. Uh, so Delp says uh, fearful for death. Well, everybody's gonna be fearful of death. He says, Soon I shall know more than you. Yep. I love that. <sighs> I That's good. love that. You do? Yes. I prefer the Bonhoeffer quote because that one has a stronger faith resonance to it. Um, I this agree. is the beginning of my new life as opposed to I, well, I, I'm going to know more about the afterlife in a moment than you do. Right. Yeah. So I, But still it's a courageous step. Maybe I'm reading it as, so there's there's like knowing, like knowledge, and then there's like, the kind of, I forget what the Hebrew word is, but the way that God says that God knows or that Adam knew his wife, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this there's this intimate knowledge, there's this intimate knowing, this intimate being with kind of a thing. And I, I read this as... So which Bible verse, oh, watch me put the young man on, the, what Bible verse does that echo? Now I know in part, then, or I will know, paraphrasing completely. That's the... Faith, love, hope. Know the sounding gong, clashing, gimbals. First, yeah, first Corinthians. Now I know in part, then I will know. I think yes, that's what right. he's echoing there. But this yeah, is not like be. this is not like a movie where there's a cut and the director walks up and says, Now I need you to formulate <laughs> your right. final words yes. that everybody in all eternity will know you said because this guy is speaking into he's probably thinking he's speaking into silence. Right. Right, so no one's hearing him. No, nobody will hear him. Right, and mm-hmm. certainly that was Hitler's intent. So I think I, I think if you know if it was stop, stage lights on. Okay, Tyler, this is it. Your whole life will be summed up in your next one sentence. Make sure it has a subject, Make sure it's verb, good. and an object. Right. God won't say that, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll uh, just ha- make sure I have it, it tattooed on my arm so that I always know. Yeah, subject, verb, and object. You have enough tattooed on your arm. <laughs> yeah, so we don't we don't live like that. We we speak what's on our hearts, and maybe other people scratch their heads and try to figure out what we meant. But yeah, I think it's a faith statement. Certainly. Well, I go back to what Jesus says. He says, "Out of it's Jesus, right? Out of a out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." Right. Mm-hmm. So. If this is his last words, you know, and if Bonhoeffer's last recorded words are what we said his are, that's a reflection of what is in his heart. So, so this guy died, by the way, this guy died in Berlin. So the context of this just before that, he said, couldn't the Russians be a little faster? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They're like, I'm paraphrasing. They're like four blocks away. Couldn't they get here a little quicker? Yeah, but what Bonhoeffer was where no Russians or Americans were going to arrest right. him. What I find interesting here, though, and this is probably kind of where we can wrap up, it says that on the day that Delp died or was executed um, was the same day that that uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's brother Klaus was executed, and his brother-in-law Rudiger Schleicher, they were they were also. Uh, condemned to death. The next day, an air raid alarm went off during another trial, and the court building was hit dead center. Freisler on his way to a bomb the shelter. Yeah, I didn't have time to look. was killed said, by the collapsing ruins. It's the same day he was condemned to death, but I don't think Klaus was actually killed. No, no, no. 
Right. He was just it was just condemned, and then it said it was next day. The next day is what happened. So again, another comparison just for humor. Bonhoeffer was in character uh, what every German intellectual ought to be. This guy, Delp, is described as a cigar chomping. Actually, I think the word was obnoxious. <laughs> His, uh, I'm going to call it father confessor. That might be the guy who was responsible for ordaining him, put off ordaining him twice because of his personality yeah. problems. <laughs> uh, I didn't put it off for you. Anyway. No, that's that's true. <laughs> I was, I'm grateful for that. So um, it's, just, it's just an indicator of God chooses to use who God chooses to use. You know, what commends one person and uh, well, the world might say, why would God choose you to be a martyr? And, you know, Bonhoeffer's whole life is like, well, I can see this coming, right? Yeah. Of course, we're looking backwards, but yeah, this guy was a little bit like ragged on the edges, and yet he is a martyr for Christ. And we will see him under the altar. Under the altar. Crying out, how long? How long? Quoting the song. Was that Revelations? How long, O Lord? How long will will you let that happen? Yep. So, Alfred Delp. So, we're going to talk about him a little bit more next week on a different show. I will be posting again next week for uh, those of you that um, may not listen all the way to the end here. Although I don't Why know some of the funny, some of the funny stuff is is at the has been at the end here. So um, anyway, uh, I just want to say to all of you that have been faithful listeners, uh, thank you. Uh, we we certainly do this for you. Uh, certainly, part of what we do is kind of a vent session, and we get to we get to hang out, we get to read, we get to learn stuff. I get to learn from Pastor Jim. Uh, I've been learning from him, learning from him for better part of 10 years. So this is this is a different kind of learning for me. Uh, so we do want to continue that, but we do also want to expand our knowledge, expand yours as well. So I don't encourage people who don't listen to the end to listen to the end at the end. At the end, I know. Just so you know, that's not, not, not the best use of your airtime. Well, maybe maybe it'll be a smooth transition and they'll say, oh, maybe this is maybe this is good stuff. Anyway, so thank you all for listening uh, for the last 109 episodes. Uh, It's been a joy. Uh, And I'm not going to say that we will talk with everyone next time for a brand new episode. What I'm going to say is we will chat with everyone next time on the new platform, Suffering Servants. We'll see you guys over there next week as we continue our discussion on Alfred Delp. So go in peace this weekend, and we will talk with you next time. If no one has told you yet, God loves you, and so do we. Take care.